Morning, Westridge. It's good to see you today. Well, as Daniel mentioned, we begin a new series today called According to Jim. Now, I was a fan of the TV show with that title, but of course, that's not what these next six weeks are going to be all about. We're going to be looking through a book in the Bible filled with simple instructions that I believe when followed will help us grow closer to Jesus. Now, I really am a fan of simple instructions. So I, I brought something today that contains simple instructions on my car window shade, okay? Now, this one has the instructions written right on this little label right here, okay? So here's what it says. To avoid extreme heat buildup, place shade flush against windshield. Hold shade in place by lowering visors. And here's my favorite. Remove shade before operating the vehicle, Right there. Now, aren't those good instructions? Simple. Even I can follow them. I have never driven my car with this in place. How about that? Okay. Now, the book of James is filled with practical, useful instructions that, when followed, will allow us to grow closer to Jesus. I receive leadership texts via via text weekly, and this is one tip that came in last week. Spending time in the presence of God is the most important activity of our life. I believe the things we're going to look at during the service today, during the service over the next six weeks in this series, will help us proactively step into the presence of the Father. And as we do this, it will benefit not only our lives, but those we come in contact with through the week. So today, according to Jim, genuine followership of Jesus has a very distinct appearance. We're going to examine that truth by looking at James 1, verses 26 through 27. I told several from uh, first hour that uh, today I am, I am talking about things I know about because I fall in many of these areas we look at today. Let's read the, the passage I want to examine from uh, James 1, 26 through 27. Here's what it says. Listen to what he says. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue... He deceives himself. His religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, genuine followership of Jesus, I believe, has a very distinct appearance. There's a huge industry in our world today that lurks in the underground, and it is uh, counterfeit goods. Clothing, shoes, electronics, movies, jewelry, the, the list goes on and on of, uh, of counterfeit items that are people are trying to pass off as real and genuine, but they're fake. Now, the, the reality is if something seemed like too good of a deal, what? It probably is, right? Okay. Uh, now, I, I recognize when it comes to counterfeiting, Counterfeits are copies of what is real. So that means there really are genuine things out there. And especially when it comes to be to genuine followership and faith, faith in Jesus. And that's why I appreciate the simple instructions from James as to what constitutes the real deal. You know, when it comes to people who want to follow Jesus, there is a genuine article. And there are three marks of genuine followership that he details in these two little verses here that we can measure our progress against and put into practice so we can get stronger and have a faith that's more vibrant and has more impact. So what are the marks? Well, first, it's how we talk. I got a question. 
How can something so small cause so much trouble? Right? I've seen it plenty of times in my own life. This thing springs out of control so quickly. And in the third chapter of his book, James spends a a lot more time talking about the tongue. But the things that pour from our mouth are good indicators of the condition of what's taking place here. So here's what he says. If anyone considers himself religious following Jesus and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. So simply put, if a person claims to know and follow Jesus yet doesn't watch what they say, their words are an indicator that something else is going on inside here. Like I said, guys, I'm talking to me today, okay? You get to come along for the ride. Hey, here's the deal. I brought some reins with me today. These are courtesy of uh, Bruce Malinsky, okay? I, I told Greg I could use some reins. He said, I can hook you up with the right person for this. And he said this, why? I really thought a horse would look good on stage, don't you? Yeah, that's not going to happen. Anyway, so here's the deal. You put the bridle on the horse, you put the bit in the mouth, and these two things turn the animal. Okay, you pull this way, it goes left, you pull this way, it goes right, you pull back on, the horse stops, right? It's amazing the control you can have when you have these things in your hands. Now, my question is, if the rider of the horse does not keep hold of these two things, guess where the animal goes? The animal goes anywhere he wants to go, right? Because this is how the control is held. So what James is saying here is that we have the opportunity to put a rein on our tongue. But if we just let go of the reins and let it go wherever it wants to go, well, you know as well as I what's going to happen, right? Damage is going to happen to ourselves and to others. I mean, have you ever thought, why did I say that? I certainly have. There are times when Darla and I, my wife, we get a little testy with each other. Most of the times due to something I've said or done. Okay, I'll be honest. But, but she'll say something to me. And immediately that quippy, snappy little remark pops into my head. Ooh, yeah. Right? And I, almost invariably I hear the voice in my, in my heart that says, don't say it. Right? And I'll tell you what, when I listen to that voice, when I, just because it comes into your head doesn't mean it needs to come out of your mouth, right? When I listen to that voice, I have never regretted pulling in on the reins. There are plenty of times I've regretted letting go of the reins. Okay? Just being honest. Now, I thought what, what we talk about reigning in the tongue, it really applies to two different things. One, it applies to what not to say, okay? The list of this one's long, you know, a lot of different things fall into the category. Inappropriate talk, you know, talk to cut people down or make people feel less, making fun of them like the song just sang. Calling names, we've seen this in our media. A gossip, slander, words, uh, words designed to hurt or damage reputations, swearing, critical talk, complaining, like I say, the list goes on and on. Practicing this type of talk harms not only those who who get to hear it, but it harms us. But there's also the kind of talk that we, there are things we should be saying. Encouraging words. I spent time with a guy on Monday. 
that I think could be a church planner. And I just told him, I said, listen, I think you could do this. He goes, you think? I said, absolutely. And when I said that, you could almost say, maybe I could. Right? I love encouraging words. I try to give encouraging words because that's what I need. Okay? We all need that. Okay? It's an, a need and a component in everybody's life. Okay? Encouraging words. How about, how about words that point people forward? I was in another meeting with a guy a couple weeks ago. He's going through a real tough patch in ministry. And he was worn out. He's unappreciated where he's at. And he's just not in a good place for him. And, and I realized I, I, I didn't want to pile on what he was saying. But I did want to be truthful with him. And I said, buddy, you're, you're, in a, you're not in the right place. I think you need to get out of this place so you can get back to being and who you are and doing what you need to do. And as we were leaving, he, th- he said, Lance, Lance, thank you for being a friend. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, you didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. You told me what I needed to hear. You told me the truth. Say, good enough, good enough. People need that. How about complimentary talk? Sometimes people just need to know that we appreciate them and to thank them for for doing what they do. I'll tell you what, if you you have any question about this, compliment your waiter or waitress at the restaurant or the cashier at at the grocery store or the retail store, okay? And just see what happens because I guarantee a compliment goes a long way. So if we want to check the health of our followership of Jesus, much of it can be done with a simple look at the words we typically use. Now, we'll all have off days at times. I had to apologize a couple of weeks ago to a friend of mine. I was just complaining. I don't know why. I got in, a, I got in that rut, and I complained and complained and complained. And I got done, I thought, well, that was really bad. So I called her up and said, hey, I want to apologize for complaining. She said, oh, no, that's no problem. I said, yeah, it is. I don't want to drag people down. But when you evaluate, okay, you evaluate yourself, just consider your normal pattern for how you use this little thing, okay? Now, secondly, it's about who we protect. So there's a genuine pattern for following Jesus that James details in in verse 27. It starts with this statement, religion that God our Father accepts as true and faultless is this. Okay, now that's the kind of thing that makes you perk your ears up. Okay, I, I want a religion that's pure and faultless. I want to please God. So, how do I do it? Here's what he says. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. Huh. That's kind of simple. As I was doing uh, working on this message, I happened to look at a video of a young man whose uh, father was a police officer. The officer died 12 years ago when he was running the Chicago Marathon. The boy was six years old when this happened. And, and the video is the story of what happened when... Uh, when he, the, young guy was, uh, the young man was having graduated from high school, and he's having his high school graduation party one, on a Friday night. He got the idea to invite all the officers who had uh, come and taken care of his family during the early days of his dad passing. I say, he was six when that happened. His mom on the video said, yeah, I, just, I didn't think many of the guys would show up, because he said, she said, one, it's been a long time. The other thing, it was a Friday night. Okay, and a lot of guys have other day of lives. But much to her surprise and the delight of her son, 18 officers showed up to the party in full dress, full uniform, squad car lights flashing as they drove into the, into the driveway. They wanted to let the young man know they were proud of his accomplishment and that they were standing there in the place of his father. And I'll tell you, as I watched the video, I cried. 
cars pull one by one into that driveway, the lights flashing. Yeah, just tears streaming down my cheeks. I think part of it's because I have a son who's a police officer and a seven-year-old grandson. So I kind of, you know, internalized a little bit. But what a beautiful picture that was of taking care of widows and orphans. So the question is, how do we how do we do this? How do we show up? See, when we had the raffle a couple of weeks ago, uh, I bought some tickets. Uh, I, I didn't think I was going to win the Rockers, and I didn't. That's really what I wanted, okay? But I, but I knew the money was going to help people in Nicaragua and get our team down in Nicaragua. Now, all I did was, was give money, okay? So this team, when it says, look after orphans and widows, that term look after talks about a physical presence, about showing up. And, and being there for people who are in distress. We have a team down in Nicaragua right now showing up to help people in the country with a variety of ministry opportunities. We have another team going in another week. But they have shown I'm grateful for their willingness to do it. Now, the, the, the reality is not all of us have the ability to show up in Nicaragua. However, I think we all do have the ability to show up where we are. You know, I, I think of the ministry done for Huff Elementary School right here in our own region. We show up to help with our support, right? Backpacks, other things we're doing. Some get to show up physically, which is a great thing. So a couple weeks ago, I was talking with somebody about supporting my ministry with, uh, with Ignite. We start churches across Chicagoland. And this woman had been a friend of mine for many years. He, she and her husband were, uh, were, were tenders of, of the church I pastored in Mantino. Two years ago, her husband passed away. And so we met that day to talk about Ignite. But I realized as we were sitting there talking that she is lonely. And so for two hours, we sat there together at Starbucks. And she, we, she just talked. And I listened. We talked about family. We talked about the church she's at. Talked about decisions she needs to make. And I don't spend a lot of time with widows and orphans on purpose. But I realized that day I was able to make a difference just by showing up. It's a, it's a simple step. Any one of us who wants to deepen our strength, strengthen and deepen our walk with Jesus can take. Most of the time it really is just a matter of showing up. Being willing to give time to people who need help. People who need to know they're valued and wanted. In Bible times, widows and orphans were viewed as throwaway people. They really were, just discard them. They were not valued. At best, they were marginalized. So James says, listen, in their distress, you go to people who are marginalized. Go to the margins, show up. And when we do this, we show others who we follow. The third thing, it's about what we allow into our lives. So we talked some about this a couple weeks ago in guarding our hearts. But I think there's something beneficial to repetition in this area because we all face this stuff. Yeah, it's, it's not a matter of whether we're going to have things pouring at us that are going to damage and hurt us. It's a matter of you know, how often and what we're going to do with them. But James says, this, he says, keep, one, keep yourself, well, keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, I like brownies, okay? I, I really do. And so I thought today I'm going to put together a brownie mix for uh, anybody who, who would like this after service, okay? And so this will be, this will be a... A special gift for whoever would like it. Okay, so it all starts with the mix, right? I don't make them from scratch up on stage. It takes way too much time. Okay, so here we go. 
So now I do have a, a special additive. I like this. This little looks chocolatey, doesn't it? Okay, so here we go. So we'll put this little special additive. Okay. Okay, we'll put that dark stuff in there. Okay. And we'll mix it up. Now, this brown this brownie mix, again, this brownie, just add some water in it and put it in the oven, and it is good to go. Now, you want to know what my special ingredient is? This is potting soil. Now, anybody want some brownies? Of course not. <laughs> Who wants dirt brownies, right? It doesn't matter. If I put one little scoop in there, it wouldn't matter. Nobody wants dirt brownies, right? I mean, that's just the way it works. Here's the deal, guys. We wouldn't allow something like that into our mouths, right? We just wouldn't want it. But the pollution that many of us are presented with is much more subtle, but no less disturbing than dirt in the mix. And we all face it. We all face it. It's a matter of what we're going to do with it. Last year, Darla and I went to a play at Drury Lane. Well-known play, been around for years. I heard many things about it before going, but as I read the playbill, I was sitting there in the, waiting for the, the play to start, I thought, oh, this is about a super dysfunctional family. Interesting. So we watched the first half. The relational interactions of the family members were disturbing. The language was offensive. I guess that's the best way to, to put it. So I looked at Darla during intermission. I said, uh, what do you think? She said, I don't like this at all. And my response was, yeah, I don't think I'm being entertained. I think I'm being assaulted. Okay? So you know what we did? We left. Yeah, yeah, you left. We left. Now, I was not going to become what I was looking at on stage. Okay? My language was not going to go into that type of language just because I heard it. But here's what I realized. I didn't need that going at me. And so the best thing to do is just leave. See, when we feel that something we're letting into our life probably isn't a good thing, probably a pretty good indicator it's not a good thing to let in. Because we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us. We follow Jesus, we've got the Holy Spirit. He does kind of let us know what's good and what's bad. See, religion that's the real deal is, is characterized by refusing to let pollutants in freely. Okay, they seep all the time. But refusing to just let them in and say, hey, come on, come on, take me. When we see the dirt approaching, we just need to say, no, no. I've been reading 1 Timothy in my, re- in my Bible readings uh, the past week or so. One thing I've seen mentioned several times in this passage is the idea of fleeing from things that are wrong and pursuing things that are right. And that mentioned several times. And so I think when the wrong things approach, the best thing to do at times is just run. Because they can't keep up with us if we're running. Especially if we're running toward the right things, right? Now here's the deal. We all have different points of strength and weakness. The pollutants that draw my attention may not be the pollutants that draw yours. But please note, we all have pollutants seeking entry. And the best way to grow our relationship with Jesus, our followership of him, is to to run from them so we can keep them out. I'm going to stop here. I love simple instructions, right? We practice these three components 
our followership of Jesus will grow deeper and stronger. It will impact our lives. And not only that, we will shine brightly in a world that needs to see the followers of Jesus shining. And it'll cause people to say, why? Why are you the way you are? And when that happens, we can just respond. It's because I follow Jesus. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out, but I try to follow Jesus. So here's my challenge for you this week. I have the opportunity to be here uh, three weeks in a row, uh, which I'm really going to enjoy. So I, I, what I'd like you to do when you're uh, when, when face, step up to the challenge, see what happens. Tell me stories. Tell me stories. I love hearing stories. So here's the first challenge. Take inventory of what's coming in. Okay, do you have relationships that are toxic or media that's bringing wrong messages, habits that are damaging walk, whatever it may be. I've got several things on my list. I'm working on them already. Okay? I'm just trying to, I'm trying to beat one this next week. So give it a shot. Beat one time. Guarding against one begin to help us be able to defeat others that are trying to seek entry. Secondly, who around you needs you to needs them to, you to show up for them? We all have people. People in distress. People living in the margins. Who are they? Who are they? Is there a widow who needs your help? Are there orphans you can reach out to? You know who they are. Will you reach out? Will you help this next week? Just one step. One step. And the last thing... Tomorrow starts July 1st, second half of the year. 31 days in July, I'm going to be reading through the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. It's got 31 chapters in it. I'm going to read one chapter a day, filled with wisdom, written by the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon. And what I'd like to invite you to do is to read through Proverbs with me during the month of July. It's one chapter a day. See what happens. I'll tell you what. Spending time in the presence of the Father benefits. It, it just benefits. It also helps us to identify pollutants that are seeking entrance. You're here today because you want to grow a genuine relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're seeking to know, is this thing really real? Well, James is here to tell us there is such a thing as a genuine relationship with Jesus. And we can not only have that relationship, but we can grow it and deepen it. And that's my prayer for all of us during these next six weeks. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the way you always show up. There may be those here today who are wondering about this Jesus thing. Is he real? Can he make a difference? And Lord that question is being asked, I pray that they will ask the question of somebody who's here today who knows that it's true and genuine and real. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us the way you do. And Lord, thank you for the grace you give us that even when we fall, you pick us up and you get us moving again. You love us. We are grateful for that love. We look forward to experiencing you these next 31 days as we look through your word the book of Proverbs what a great book it is I thank you for the simple instructions we've seen today from the book of James in your son's name we pray thank you 